I mentioned this morning, we're going to allow some of our younger staff to play a part in the, the Lord's Supper tonight. And so we'll get started off with, with Andrew reading. Micah 7, who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, he will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Habakkuk 3. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in thy vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Amen. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hind's feet. He will make me to walk upon mine hind's places, to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. If you would take your hymn books, number two. Number two, holy, holy, holy. We'll sing the first, third, and fourth. Verses one, three, and four. Again, number two. to follow along in your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Ruth, the book of Ruth, one of two books in the Bible named for lady folk, Esther and Ruth, chapter 1 and verse 15, and she said, behold thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods, return thou after thy sister-in-law, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. Or to fall, return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. 
Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest will I die, there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. Chapter 2. And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hat was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was of the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. Then said Boaz unto his servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go into the vessels, and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowed herself to the ground, and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thy eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I'm a stranger. And Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully showed to me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother in the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not here, there, heretofore. <clears throat> the Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Then she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, Mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in the vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and he reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and left. And when she was risen up to glean, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean, even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. And let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Number 676 in your hymnal, stanzas 1 and 3. Pastor already said number 676, the lily of the valley, first and third. I have found a friend in Jesus, he's everything to me, he's the fairest of ten Mm. 
will never, never leave me or forsake me here while I live by faith and do his blessed will. Oh, wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna, he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, I'll see his blessed face where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. If you'll take your Bibles to Luke chapter number 15, please. Luke chapter number 15 as we continue on. Looking at this idea of the person of God and some of the impact that he has in our life and the idea that as we, as we address our God, and as we are around our God, holiness is what we see. Luke chapter 15, verse number 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto, his unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. If you take your psalm books, number 137, near the cross, we'll sing verses 1 through 3. Jesus, give me near. 
on the last. Near the cross I'll watch and wait, hoping, trusting, Bible to Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20. And the Bible says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them, for I am the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the Lord or take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days might be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Please keep your Bible right there in Exodus chapter number 20, and we're going to be back in Exodus chapter number 19 as well in just a moment. But as we have before us tonight, the elements of the Lord's Supper, the representation through the bread of the body of Christ that was broken for us, the representation of the pure grape juice of his blood that he so freely shed for us. Um, if they were to lift up, or later on when they do lift up, the, the white sheet that is here covering the elements. Carved on the front of that table is this, do in remembrance of me. We often 
don't realize how good we have it until we take the time to sit down and remember what has gone on in the past. And we live in such a fast-paced society that it is difficult to sit down and remember the past. Uh, most of us, if we're in the car, we've got a radio going on. Maybe we've got headphones in or something. We're trying, we're on the telephone, maybe we're with our hands-free device. We don't settle down. We do not have a quiet time. The Bible tells us that we've got to be still and know that he is God. You and I have the privilege tonight of looking back some 2,000 years at the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made there on the cross. But in the passage we just read in Exodus chapter number 20, where the Ten Commandments were given, understand that the people of Israel did not have the opportunity that you and I have to go directly to God. In fact, to get a little bit of the idea, would you back up with me to, to Exodus chapter number 19? And look what happened. This is all surrounding the giving of the Ten Commandments. Pick up with me in verse number 17 of Exodus 19. And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God. Now, we say, wait a minute, that's, we do that all the time. We meet with God. But notice what it said. And they stood at the nether part of the mountain, of the mount. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. I'm guessing that most of the people as they approached Mount Sinai, that they didn't want to get any closer, all right? They saw the smoke coming down. The whole thing is shaking. Verse number 19, And when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder, Moses spake. Wouldn't you love to have been here for this? And God answered him by a voice. And the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. Now, time out for just a second. Did you pick up on that? The people are down at the bottom of the mountain. Moses is the only one that can go up to the top of the mountain to commune face to face with his God. The rest of the people had to stay down at the bottom, and they got to see from afar off, from the nether part of the mountain, what was going on. You realize the privilege that we have of bowing and speaking to our God face to face. These folks didn't have that opportunity. Pick back up with me in verse number 20. The Lord came down upon, the mount, upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mount, and the Lord called Moses up to the top of the mount, and Moses went up. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go down, charge the people, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to the mount, up to Mount Sinai, for thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount and sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, and thou shalt come up, thou and Aaron with thee. But let not the priests and the people break through to come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. And then we see all the Ten Commandments that come. Why did God only commune with Moses? I'll tell you why. Because God is holy. And you and I cannot approach unto our God. God had to go through Moses to reach the people of Israel. You and I are invited in Hebrews chapter number 4 to boldly, Come unto the throne of grace. 
we have that privilege. I want you to understand with me that the Israelites had a long distance relationship with God. Exodus 19 verse 17, they stood at the nether part of the mountain. Verse chapter 19, or 19 down to verse number 23, they set bounds around the mountain. They couldn't cross. Jump down with me to chapter 20 and verse number 18. Right after the giving of the Ten Commandments, it says that they stood afar off. And in Exodus chapter 20 down verse 21, again we find that phrase, the people stood afar off. I'm grateful that that's not us, that we don't have to stand afar off from our God. But why did they have to stand off? Because God's holiness demanded a distance. They were not worthy to approach unto him. Look what it says in chapter 19, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down, charge the people, and catch this, lest they break through unto the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. You see, God set that boundary for their own protection. He said they could break through to gaze upon me, and I am so holy that it will kill them. And so I have to set a boundary up. The next verse, verse number 22. Not only the people, but even those who were the religious leaders, the priests. The Bible says, let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. In verse number, or chapter 20, verse number 20. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you. And that his fear may be before your faces. And catch this, that ye sin not. Again, you've got those boundaries set for our own protection because we are so unholy. You go to Isaiah chapter number 6, and Isaiah, as he looks in that vision upon the throne of God, he says, and woe am I, for I am a man of unclean lips. When we'll stop long enough to get a Bible picture of our God, the direct result of that is that we get an accurate picture of who we are. And listen, it is that unworthy person that Jesus Christ came and shed his blood for upon the cross of Calvary. And that's why we gather tonight to partake of the Lord's Supper and to do it in remembrance of him because without him, our relationship with God, with God would be exactly what the Israelites were, a long-distance relationship. But because of the sacrifice of Christ, it is a short-distance relationship. We can come right up to him. We can talk with him. When our kids were much younger, Christy, uh, while working at the hospital, one of the doctors uh, had uh, came, well, just walked into the, the room where they were working and said, I've got tickets for the Grizzlies basketball game tonight. And she said, does anyone want them? Well, we had kids playing basketball, and we had all kinds of stuff going on. But she said, well, if nobody else does, I'll take them. So we've got four tickets courtside, front row. I mean, the face value of those, I mean, we looked at it, and I mean, it just about killed us, you know. Front row tickets, though. We called down to the school and let them know we picked up the kids early from basketball practice. And as we went down to that game, I mean, we pulled up to the FedEx Forum, and we pulled into the parking garage area, and I mean, we pulled in the garage, and they're like, that's your spot right there. I mean, we pulled in like four places, and it's right there. We got out of the car door, and we walked about 15 places, and we were at the elevator. They treated us so well. We took the elevator up to the second floor. We walked in, and there was this whole buffet that they had all set for us. I'd never seen anything like it in my life. 
Then we walked onto the court and we walked through the back hall where all the players come. And the kids' eyes are just getting huge like this right here. I mean, it, it, was, it was amazing. We went and we sat on the, on the front row there and watched the game. At one point, the ball went out of bounds and they actually had to ask us to, to suck in and scoot back because the player was right there almost stepping on our toes, you know. It was just like you could have reached out and he would have dripped sweat all over you, you know. And for a teenage boy playing basketball, that's like the greatest thing ever, you know, an NBA player. It was amazing. After the game got over, we got to go back down that back hallway. And because we had those tickets, we got to stand there. And the players came through. And we had conversations with five or six of the Grizzlies players. We got to meet, we got to meet wives and kids. And it was an amazing thing. It spoiled us. We've been to a bunch of basketball games since then. It's just not the same when you sit up in the nosebleeds. It's just not that. But can I tell you this? You don't have a nosebleed ticket for your God. You get to go back in the hallway where nobody else gets to go. You get that face-to-face -face conversation. And not just one time, but any time you want. You can bow before Him. You can open up His Word. And you can renew that relationship. Strengthen that relationship. We have a great high priest. If you'll flip your Bible over with me to Hebrews chapter number 4, I want you to see this, the wonderful gift that our Savior has given to us. Because we are no longer those Israelites who have to have that long-distance relationship. The Israelites who, because of their sin, God had to give them the Ten Commandments. You and I need those Ten Commandments. We can't follow them. We would be just like the Israelites there after God gives them. The people still stand afar back. And Moses tells them, hey, you know what? The God's do, God is doing this for your, own, for your own benefit. And they say, Moses, we don't want to talk to God. You talk to him in front of us, before us. But then we go over to the New Testament. And we see where we are today. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. Again, just like the Ten Commandments, the Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And as we take that Word of God and we spend time in it every day, it pierces to our soul and hopefully like a scalpel of a doctor, it will pull away that sin from our life and help us to make, be holy, so that we can approach unto our holy God face to face. Verse number 13. Neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight. Not laid open. God sees every portion of our life. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And then verse number 14. Seeing then that God sees everything. There's nothing we can hide from him. That his word tears us apart and his eyes pierce to the deepest. But don't worry about that. Because we have a high priest, verse 14, that's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our, prof our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. When the people of Israel looked to Moses... God said, Moses, you're here on the mountain. They're down there at the base. I've got a message. You go down and tell them. 
He went down, he told the people, he shared with them, this is what God says, I am the Lord your God. You'll have no other gods before me. He went through all the Ten Commandments. Then Moses goes back up to the top of the mountain and talks to God again. And he comes back down to the people and he goes back up into the darkness and they can't gaze upon him. And you'll find the people a couple times stepping back, getting away from God. Because Moses was just a man back and forth. But we have a high priest who wasn't just man. He's ascended back into heaven. He was the son of God. And because of that, notice what it says in verse number 16. Moses back and forth to talk to the people. But the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.16, based on what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, let us, that's you and me, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, not timidly, but we can march right up to the very throne of God. We can cry out to him, Father. Not based on what we did, but based on what these elements represent, the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Back to verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. And look at that last part. In time of need. God isn't just saying, hey, when you're at your best, come to me. Hey, when you've got it all figured out, you come and approach me. He says, no, based on the blood of Jesus Christ, when you're at your worst, when you can't figure out what the next step is, when the tears are cascading down your face, when your heart is broken and nothing can come out because you can't get a word out, that's when I want you to come to me. And don't do it timidly. Don't do it wondering if I'll listen. You march right up and boldly come to the throne of grace. Folks, that's what we are celebrating and remembering tonight. What Christ's blood allows you and I to do. Something that the Old Testament folks did not have the opportunity to participate in. Boldly approach the throne of God. I hope that you do that on a daily basis. That you spend time with a King of Kings and Lord of Lords each and every day. In just a moment, we will take some time to examine ourselves, to look at what God has in store for us as we prepare ourselves for the, the um, communion elements. But right now, let's take our psalm books number 133. Man of sorrows, what a name. Sing that first, third, and fifth. Verse 1, 3, and 5, number 133. Man of sorrows, what a name. Yeah. 
chapter 17 if you want to follow along you can turn in your bibles there john chapter 17 the high priestly prayer of christ these words spake jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven said father the hour has come glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him and this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I've glorified thee on the earth. I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and that they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for thine they are. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me have I kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word, and the world hated them, because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Number 28, this is my father's world. Stanzas one and three. I'd ask for the deacons to step forward and go ahead and uncover the elements at this time. As the deacons come, again, number 28, this is my father's world, verses one and three. This is my father's world, and to my listening
satisfied and when